Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Timothy 1.5, we're introduced to a woman whose influence and investment would later go on to help spread the good news of Christ throughout much of the ancient world. The time she'd spend sharing her faith with her daughter and eventually her grandson would be multiplied to form one of the first missionary teams that would travel the greater parts of the world and eventually be summarized in the very canon of scripture. Proverbs 13.22 says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And if you've ever read through the New Testament, specifically the missionary letters, you've experienced the inheritance of this woman, this grandma who I'm talking about. The fruit of the life that she lived is widespread, and yet very little is actually even known about her. But I think that's what makes her story all the more inspiring and compelling that her legacy wasn't about herself. It was actually about Christ. Her name was Lois. She was the mother of Eunice, a Jew who married a Grecian Gentile. And other than that, the only other thing that scripture records of Lois's life is that her sincere faith was lived out before her grandson, Timothy. Theirs is the story of one generation telling the next, who told the next, who told the next. Theirs is a story of generational influence. I'm Jamie Erickson, and I'm here with my friends, Kate Battistelli and September McCarthy, and we're sitting down today to talk about grandparenting, specifically the generational influence that we each have or will have upon our children's children. So right at the outset, before we even get started, I just wanna say that we're going to try to honor the relationships that we have in our own personal lives. Um, we want to be vulnerable and chat about some real things, but we all three of us have some situations in our lives that are a little tender and maybe even a little broken, and we want to tread lightly so as not to wound or harm any of our real-life relationships. With that in mind, ladies, can you just give me a brief backstory on your own experience with generational influence? Perhaps your relationship with your grandparents or maybe your kids' relationship with their grandparents. And how have those particular experiences shaped how you are grandparenting today? You know, I grew up with both grandparents on my mom's side and a grandmother on my dad's side. And they, they lived, you know, fairly close to us. So they were involved in our lives so I feel blessed to have had their influence when I was young. Now for my daughter, my parents chose to not be very involved, even though we lived in the same state. They didn't make much time to press into her life or the, you know, the other grandchildren that they had, which I, I think is just a huge missed opportunity. And they're both gone now. And she never, she never knew her paternal grandfather as he died when she was a baby, but she knew her paternal grandmother well. And I'm grateful she had a good experience with at least one grandparent. And this has made me more determined than ever to be a good example to my grandkids and to leave behind a legacy of love and modeling Christ's love to them whenever I get the chance. Because 
my my daughter didn't get that. I got a little of that from my grandfather because he would read his Bible and read us Bible stories, but we never really got that modeling of Christ's love. So, um, you know, but I'm just trying to pay it forward at this point. You know, similar to you, Kate, in uh, my life situation, I had two parents who worked uh, full time and then eventually were divorced. And so I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house, um, both, both sides, paternally and maternal. And I feel kind of like they were a huge part of my upbringing. And in fact, they really were. Uh, a lot of my go-to memories and what I learned and what I experienced were with my grandparents. Um, they taught me many of the things I know and do, and it was by default, but they really invested into me as a person. Um, and I felt like they kind of were able to focus on me as an individual versus a group kind of lumped in with the problems that come along with maybe a broken family. I was seen as September and not just um, part of a family that was broken. And I felt very special in their eyes. Uh, they taught me a lot of the traditions. We had a lot of special moments. Um, I had a very special relationship with my grandmother. In fact, I named my daughter after my grandmother and um, she's her namesake. And my children, they, they've had a mix of experiences with generational living. Um, maybe not so strong on both sides. There's been some brokenness and I feel like the baton of brokenness has been kind of passed down. I feel like unless someone really sees it modeled, we're kind of grasping at straws is what to what generational living looks like. So I'm really passionate about this. I felt like maybe my parents just did not know um, how to be model grandparents. Maybe this was never modeled for them. Maybe it wasn't in their capacity. Um, I don't know. You know, we all do our best. But for me, um, this is a passion of mine. I love being a grandma. I'm a grandma myself. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic today. I think it's interesting, September, what you were saying about when it's not modeled for you. I wonder if if in our Western culture, we can say it's just not really modeled well, period. You know, we live in a society that doesn't, you know, generations don't live together like they do in other cultures or have at times throughout history. And so without that modeling, the rest of us are just left to kind of flounder, make it up as we go. And, and that can be difficult. Well, I don't really have much of an experience with grandparents growing up. My dad's parents had passed away long before my parents were, were even together or married. And my maternal set of grandparents, to be honest, um, didn't really have much of an interest in, in being a part of my life. And they kind of made that very clear early on. And so I don't really know what it's like to have that generational in influence or at least longevity with it. But in a way, that's kind of a good thing in that I'm coming with a clean slate. I don't really know what it's supposed to look like. So it can be whatever it is I make it to be. Now, my father was not a believer. And I'll say that our relationship was kind of strained at times. Um, he passed away about eight years ago. And my mom has since remarried. And here's the thing, um, her new husband is a believer. And so the dynamic of their relationship and even her ability to influence others in her life for the gospel has greatly increased because now he's come alongside and partners with her in that. And, and I'll be honest, 
the the relationship is a bit awkward between he and I because I don't know him very well. But I'm so excited that now my kids get to have a grandfather who invests in them and cares for them and loves them and prays for them. And while it's awkward for me, I never want it to be awkward for my kids. And I encourage them to call him grandpa and to, to make that investment, to return that investment. I think my mother does a fantastic job of, of trying to invest where she is and how she is able to. She lives several hundred miles away in a totally different state. She does not see my children very often, but she has um, sort of made it a goal to be on Facebook now so she can message them and they can see her face. One thing that she started doing um, probably five or six years ago was she started writing my daughter letters, like old fashioned letters. And my daughter reciprocated and they've been writing letters for the last five or six years. And they have this tangible legacy of love between the two of them. And she sends notes and cards to my boys too, but there's just something about that connection between her and my daughter. I think my biggest and best example of generational influence though came through my in-laws who I will say do an exceptional job Again, my, my slate is clean, so I don't have a whole lot to, to compare it to, but they are very intentional about passing on eternity to their grandkids in praying for them and with them, um, supporting them financially, prayerfully. They disciple them. They make it a priority to pour into the lives of their grandkids, not necessarily in big, affluent um, ways. Like even just today, we received a little manila envelope filled with a couple of magazines, kids' magazines they had picked up at a, a yard sale, a letter with things that were happening in their lives this month, and just a couple of pictures because now we live in a different town from them. And yet they still want to make it a priority to stay connected to the grandkids. And they set a fantastic example for my husband and I to follow suit someday. So what do you see as the primary roles of grandparents? And what are some practical ways that you two girls who are grandparents are living that out in the lives of your grandkids? Maybe even without the example that um, you didn't have yourselves. Yeah. I mean, I believe grandparents should live out their faith honestly in front of their grandchildren. We have to be willing to be transparent, but also to maintain a godly standard in front of our grandchildren. I mean, our grandkids are still little from eight years old down to two years old. So in this season, our goal is to show them love and just make wonderful memories for them. We want them to know we're both fun, but also trustworthy. I remember growing up, my sisters and I would share much more with my grandmother than we would ever share with our mother. Cause my, my mom just, you know, she wouldn't have been able to accept a lot of the things that we were doing. My grandmother probably should have been a little stricter, but it was just a different era and she was a little looser. So we could trust my grandmother and we were able to be open with her. So I want, not that I want my grandkids to be telling me things they should be telling their mom, but I just want them to know that we're trustworthy, that they can come to us, they can talk to us. They know that we have their backs, that they'll know that we're praying for them and that we care for them and love them deeply. So I think that would, for me, be our primary role is just to, to know that we've got their back. 
Well, first, I just want to say I love being a grandma. And so, you know, every grandparent has a different name. So I'm Nana to my grandchildren. And I got to choose that name. I'm sure, Kate, you have a special name too. And in fact, I think I know what that is. But so being a Nana to my grandchildren for me means that a few things. And I was thinking through this as we were getting ready to record this episode. And one of the things I think is really important for grandparents, generational living, is to remember that we are, our job is kind of to support their parents. So really not to contradict and really not to get in the way, but to support in a respectful and honoring a way. You know, sometimes things will come up and I may not see the backstory to it and I may be a little softer or see a different outcome for my children where I, you know, I know and find out later that my kids, my older kids, are working with my grandchildren on a particular character quality or something, and they want them to eat all their food at the table. And I'm just trying to be the softy and trying to, you know, be the best Nana. And, and maybe I realized early on that it's important for grandparents to support our children, our adult children and their parenting decisions, if they're good and just and um, in the way of the Lord, because it could really um, be a division you know, your, your older kids are trying to work on something in their child that you don't know a lot about. And so that was the first thing. So it's important for, it was important for me to learn to support my adult children and what they're working on with their kids. Um, I want to be known as the Nana um, that shared Jesus with them, not only in word, but in actions. I don't want to be a Bible thumper and then live a different way and hear my grandchildren see me doing something different. Um, but this is the, the most favorite part for me, and I feel like this is a very practical thing. And I, and I mentioned this with my own grandma, but we can see our grandchildren or the next generation, maybe your mentor investing in another child, um, individual strengths and not as a big family. When you're part of a sibling group or, you know, in a home, sometimes those individual strengths, parents see them and they know them, but they maybe not have the time or the means or the resources to kind of acknowledge those individual strengths and gifts or the personhood. And when my grandchildren come over, I can see that and I have the time. So it's, it's a joy for me to be able to say, you're such a good singer, you know, someday you're going to use that for Jesus. And then I can help pay for ballet lessons, or I can take them on a date because they love to go to a baseball game or something, you know, I can see them as an individual. So those are some practical things as a grandparent, you know, just to see the individual strengths in each, each of our grandchildren, um, and not overstep, you know, their parents' wishes. So And I think it's such a fine balance. Obviously, you don't want to overstep. And I appreciate when um, my in-laws and my my mother respects decisions that we have made as a family. But I do think that there can be a balance in that, you know, grandparents should be maybe a softer landing spot for a reason. They have that perspective and that longevity. And like you said, they can speak individually in the lives of the kids. Like my mother-in-law sometimes apologizes because she'll serve apple pie to the kids for breakfast. And I'm like, I want to come over and have apple pie for breakfast because I know it's not an everyday thing. It's a special treat. And that just puts such a shine on her in their eyes. And they'll remember that. Remember when, when Nana served us apple pie for breakfast and hot chocolate, mom never served us hot chocolate. 
that's totally fine with me if that's um, the special gift that she can offer to them. I'm not a grandma. Actually, before we go any further, Kate, I want to know what this this name is your grandkids call you. Oh, I'm Mimi. Mimi, I love that. That's awesome. Um, I'm not a grandma, and so I I can only speak in theories, but I can also look to scripture um, to see how I hope I can be, and and I can look at my my in-laws and my own mother and see some things that I hope to emulate. I think you know, as I read Proverbs 13, 22, just a second ago, it alludes to the fact that grandparents are supposed to leave an inheritance. And that doesn't always mean financial. Um, so often I think it, it really is spiritual. You know, grandparents are the keeper of stories. They're the ones that pass on the memory. I think that's scriptural. They offer perspective and experience because maybe they have a longer view of life than, than our instant culture does, you know. And I think um, kind of what along the lines of what September was saying, grandparents are the ones who are supposed to provide a blessing to their kids. Like we said, to, to look to their individual gifts and really call that out. And I think you see that modeled in scripture, you know, Genesis 48, where um, Joseph brings his two sons to his father to bless them. And Jacob on his deathbed lays his hands on them and declares the goodness of the Lord in their life and blesses them. Um, so I think those are just a couple of things that, that are specific skills and qualities that grandparents can bring that even us as parents don't have, um, or maybe don't have that same role. But what about when the boundary lines become blurred or maybe complicated, as in the case when maybe you have a grandparent who becomes the primary caregiver of a grandchild, or like in September's case where there's a blended family and there's multiple sets of grandparents. Does the influence capacity change? Should it look different? What do you think? Gosh, that's tough because I have not experienced that personally, so I'm not sure, but I imagine it would, I mean, just putting myself in that place of being the primary caregiver for my grandkids, I mean, you just, you know, if that situation arose, you do what you have to do. I mean, I would just ask for a lot of prayer if that was the case. I don't, because I haven't experienced it. I don't, I don't know, but I, I know people that do do that and it's not easy. They need the support of the church. They need the, the support of everyone they can get because that's tough. I mean, I, I think at this point in life, if I were suddenly asked to parent these children, that would be a huge learning curve because things are different. Life is different. You're older. You know, you don't have the energy that you had when you were 20, 30, 40. So I just would be asking for prayer from everywhere. It is a tricky situation. And, you know, I really didn't think through this a lot until just recently I was um, talking to my oldest son and his wife and they were exploring options for their first girl to go to preschool, kindergarten. And quickly out of my mouth in front of the whole family, I offered to homeschool her. Um, and my second daughter later said to me, you know, mom, I was thinking about that and how wonderful that is that we have family, that we have you as a grandparent that's willing to do that. She said, but it, I did think through the scenario. And do you think that would affect or ruin your relationship with your granddaughter, whom I'm, whom I'm very close to, how would you handle that? You know, if there's a discipline issue or the influence, is that what you want it to be your relationship with her? And I thought, 
I'm not in that position, but it made me really think through. And, and I may, and I may still do this down the road with my grandchildren, but I think it's a fine line. It's a different scenario when you're raising a grandchild. Um, when there's multiple sets of grandparents, it becomes really tricky. Um, but I think it is still the same. The still, the outcome is the same. What are we leaving for them? What are we giving them now? Um, it's really the bottom line is that question. And my experience has come with my own um, parents. And like I said, when my mom remarried, having this new man that I've only actually met one time, I've talked to him um, over the phone a couple of times. We've been married several years, but we live so far away, it's not always convenient to make those connections. Um, while it's awkward for me, I never want it to be awkward for my kids. And so I have to remember um, to do my best to honor him and maintain um, healthy boundaries for myself, but to really invite him and welcome him into the lives of my kids. If you are in a situation where you do have a blended family, I think of just the practicality even of going to Christmas when there's maybe four or five different homes that are wanting or even expecting you to be there. So if that's you, I would just encourage you to, um, to be really open and honest, have some good communication and give priority to your your children and your immediate family. And that might be that you have to say no to one holiday, but then be willing to welcome um, the idea of, of enjoying that extended family on another holiday and making them a priority for that holiday. Don't allow your children to be a pawn in a preference battle. You know, if, if you have to advocate for them. And, and I've sort of been in a, a situation like that where I received a phone call from an extended family member saying that I was holding my children hostage um, at Christmas. And I just had to advocate on behalf of my immediate family while still finding ways to honor the relationships that I had with my family. So what are some practical ways that we as moms can bridge the gap to help connect the generations, um, our parents maybe, to our kids? Well, my, my husband's parents and my parents are, are all gone, so we can't bridge that gap anymore, but we can be a bridge to our grandchildren. We, I mean, if your parents are still alive, just involve them as much as you can, as much as they're willing to be involved. If they, We purposely moved to Tennessee to be near our grandkids because we only have one child, and it just made sense to, to us both to live near where they are. It didn't make sense to be 500 miles away, so... And we were able to do that. We can, we can live anywhere with the work that we do. So we purposely moved here a few years ago and it's, it's wonderful to be able to be there for those kids. We are, we are setting a new standard. What my daughter didn't have, we're hoping to provide. And the other set of grandparents are wonderful as well. They're really great people. So these kids have four grandparents they can look to that love them, that that lift them up that like you were saying September you can tell your your grandkids that they're smart and they're beautiful you know the the things that weren't said to me or even to my daughter other than me saying it to her we can do that with our grandkids and i love being able to have that opportunity so but i would also say to to bridge the gap if your parents are still with you ask for their advice from time to time. I mean, we always want to give it, but like September was saying, you know, you have to back off and let them figure this out. Let your adult children figure out 
what they're doing with their life. But every now and then it's nice to be asked, well, what do you think, mom? What would you do in this situation? It just makes us feel like we're still needed or ask for their help. I mean, I love helping out when they need babysitter or they need us to go pick the kids up from school or do anything like that. We love to jump in and do that. And I think most grandparents would love that if they're available and able, physically able to do it. So. Yeah, those are great. Kay. I uh, was thinking about this particular viewpoint of us, like the person listening and Kay and Jamie and, and myself as being that connector between our parents and our kids. And sometimes it's not necessary, right? Like sometimes there's grandparents in our kids' lives who are just amazing. And if you are part of that, cling to it, grasp it, spend as much time, um, encourage your children, like it's a gift. Then there are other times where it's work and you may get discouraged and you may think this is too much. I should not have to be the connector. Um, so I have some practical things that I've tried because I've been in this situation and, um, have had to be the connector sometimes between, um, the generations. And so some things that I would do is I would encourage my children to ask their grandparents about their story and write it down. One of my daughters would go visit her grandma and she recorded her on her phone and an audio tape recorder and made a journal of her life. And it was in her voice. And she, she has that. She'll always have her grandmother's and you know, time would go by and I'd say, Hey, have you talked to your grandma lately? Um, and you know, maybe her grandma didn't reach out to her, but that doesn't mean that we can't encourage our kids to reach out to their grandparents. Um, ask, ask your parents maybe to invite your kids out on a date. Um, I think two things happen sometimes in this disconnect in generations. One, sometimes the older generation think maybe for good reason, maybe for not that they're not needed, that your lives are busy. Maybe it's something they believe that's not true, or maybe it is true. Maybe we're super busy and we haven't notched out the time and that's the message they've been sent. So I think sometimes that's the first thing that happens. And so they feel like they're not needed or thought about. So they slowly back away until there's this degeneration of this connection. And secondly, I think sometimes the need to have the generational living just does not exist as an important to the generation before us. They don't, they don't see that. And I think that's because they didn't have it. It was never modeled to them. So sometimes we have to be the ones to pursue that and be the connection and bridge the um, generations together. But I do want to say this, if you have been pursuing this and if you feel defeated in this, and if you feel like you've done everything you can, you know, be at peace with it, continue to honor the generation before you, but don't feel like you have to chase a relationship that isn't desired. You know, you are giving your kids the best example of honor by honoring the generation before you, but you can't make something happen that does not exist in the heart of another person. So the best gift you can give to the next generation is to be that model yourself. Amen, September. That is such, such great advice. And and if you're living in that space where you're reaching out and it's not reciprocated, just remember you can't control the reactions of other people. You can only control your reactions. And what a great gift to give to your children is just to model that honoring of a relationship that maybe isn't 
always the healthiest or isn't always the lo loveliest. I'd also encourage you to just um, encourage gifts of time instead of material things. I think the gift that a grandparent gives isn't necessarily stuff. Our kids don't need more stuff. They just need time. They need um, those experiences from a previous generation. They need the stories that only that generation can offer. So call on your um, parents or grandparents and invite them into your life in the everyday moments. I think it's really easy for me to pick up the phone and ask my in-laws to babysit my kids. It should be just as easy for me to say, hey, come on over and have a family dinner, have a game night. You know, my kids just did a, a fun project for homeschool and they want to present it to you. Invite them into those celebrations and even just the everyday moments and outings so that grandparents have an opportunity to be influencers and not just caregivers. But what about the grandparents, specifically the grandma, who wants to leave a godly legacy, but her children maybe don't share her same faith or maybe have no interest in passing a love of Jesus onto their children? How can that woman, that grandma, leave an inheritance for her children's children, as Proverbs 13 calls us to do? Well, I think the most important thing always is prayer. You just need to be praying for the kids, but also for the for the parents if they don't know the Lord. Um, and also acting in a way that makes your grandchildren know you have only unconditional love for them and letting them see you fearlessly live out your own faith. I don't think there's anything wrong with letting them know what you believe in without, I mean, you have to be careful. You're going to know the parameters of their parents and understand you don't want to step on toes, but at the same time, you have to be honest with, with, with your own faith. I think you don't want to be afraid to be a Christian in front of them and to do things and to just, you can express Christian values without necessarily using the lingo. You know what I mean? That you, you're just being loving and being encouraging and, and even praying in front of them letting them see you read your Bible when they, if they're sleeping over and they come down in the morning, you're doing your devotion or whatever, just let them see you be a Christian. And then it won't be a fearful thing for them. And you never know what you say. Those, we know that the word never returns void. And those little seeds that you drop are going to, they're going to bear fruit at some point. That so reminds me, Kate, of John 13, 35, that they'll know you by your love. They'll know Jesus by the love that you show them. So what a great, um, what a great bit of wisdom for all of us um, to just show them love, show your grandkids love, even if um, it's even if Jesus isn't welcomed into the space. What about you, September? I feel the same way. Yeah, I really don't have anything extra to add to that. Just refer back to one of our former quotes from Kate or maybe Jamie. I don't remember which one of you said this in one of our episodes, but more is caught than taught. And I feel like this is a perfect example where we could insert this life lesson. That had to have been Kate. She's the wise one. If there's ever quotable quotes, it's Kate. <laughs> well, I'm sure we have some moms listening today who don't have the best relationship with their parents, or maybe whose parents don't share their same faith. How can that mom pass on a godly generational legacy when it seems like the line has been broken? Well, my husband and I are a great example because when we were raising our daughter, we knew that our parents didn't share our faith. 
and because they weren't in our lives much, which which was their choice, and and that was okay. But we were able to kind of break that legacy of a lack of faith, raise our child to love and to know God. And I, I think I don't know if it's a generational curse, whatever you want to call it, but we've been able to break that of no faith and just begin a new legacy of faith for our daughter and our grandchildren. I, I love that our grandchildren will never grow up not knowing the Lord and not knowing family that knows and loves God and loves and honors Jesus. You know, our, our daughter also grew up only knowing that, but she knew that her grandparents didn't share that faith. So to see that our grandkids know that Mike and I and the other set of grandparents love Jesus and our lives are devoted to that, that's a cool thing to see that Wow, that hat we I think that has been broken. You know, they're only going to know that. So that's that's a good thing and you can pass that down. Just don't be afraid to just pass that right down. Absolutely, Kate. How about you September? Well, I just want to piggyback off the first part of your question where you asked about um maybe the mom listening today who doesn't have the best relationship with their parents. And Kate addressed the topic of parents who don't share faith, but you know, I just want to share with our listeners today that these situations are very real for many of us in um, the podcast world, face-to-face, people you see in church, that, and, you, and we just don't know who is experiencing broken relationships with their parents. And so um, today I just wanted to share that I am one of those people And, you know, you may see Jamie, Kate, and I on social media, you listen to our podcast, you see me with my children and my grandchildren, but I want you to know that has not come easily. That has come with very, very intentional steps. It didn't just fall into our lap. We're not just quote unquote, so blessed. We have been blessed to be given the tools and the word of God to work into a new generational line of restored relationships. And that has come with so much work. I have had to relearn what it's like to have a relationship with a daughter and a granddaughter. What does that mean to respect my daughter as an adult and as a mom? She is a mom. And how do I support her? How do I encourage her? How do I not tear her down? Or um, how do I respect her as a mom as well? There are so many pieces. And this is why this podcast is so important to me personally, because I feel like this is a topic we don't talk about a lot. And to pass on that godly generational legacy, it takes daily investment and daily prayer and daily seeking how we can grow as ourselves, you know, in our own walk, because this is really about us and what God has for us. There's this big, wide, open door of blessing for everyone. It's available to anyone. So when you see another person that you think is so blessed and that you come from a past generational broken line of broken relationships, that door is available to you too, but it is going to take a lot of work not hard work. It's just going to take work, but God has given us the grace and the love and the tools to do that with. And that's why we have this podcast. I'm just super excited about this topic. And I just want to say, you know, you have three examples right here that you're listening to of women who've experienced broken relationships and broken lineage lines, but God is a healer of broken things. And Kate, September, and I are examples of that. 
because none of us have come from straight lineage lines, um, lines where the gospel is lived out daily and lovingly. I remember um, a man in my church when I was a teenager, and I didn't start going to church until I was a teenager, but he noticed right away that I was a young girl who didn't have a fatherly or grandfatherly influence, biblical influence in my life. And he took it upon himself to be that influence and to be like a pseudo grandpa to me. And so if you are one of those whose line is broken and you want to pass on that heritage to your kids, um, make it a priority to look around to the people God has placed right in front of you. It might come in unlikely places and might have unlikely faces, but there are people in your life willing to step up to the plate and be that grandparent influence in the lives of your children. So don't discredit that. Definitely welcome that. And remember, he is a um, healer of broken things. Well, ladies, I'm not a grandma yet. But I want to know from you, the two of you who are, how do you hope your grandchildren will remember you? What will be the legacy you leave for them? Well, I just want to be the favorite grandma. Is that terrible? No, <laughs> I'm teasing. At least you're honest. <laughs> I aim to be the favorite. No, no, no. But I think just to go back to what you were saying, Jamie, um, to know that that the three of us, that that none of us had had fabulous grandparents and you know that that godly influence. But what's neat is each one of us has break has broken that cycle. So that is possible. Know that you can change things. You can change the trajectory of your life. I was not raised a Christian. Now I'm a, you know, born again on fire, raised our daughter. She's doing things that are changing the world. So I think, gosh, this is possible. Don't look back and say what you didn't have. Look forward to what you do have. Look at those grandchildren and think, oh, wow, I've got this this amazing legacy that I can pour into. So, I mean, I think, I just hope that they remember that I passed on a love of Christ and that they saw that I lived to please him. I hope they see that I'm living out my faith, that I'm not a hypocrite, but I'm one who prays for them continuously and, and loves them to the moon and back. And I, and I can't ask for a lot more than that, but I want them to see that I'm, I'm who I say I am. Well, I'm afraid that I'm going to be remembered for the special treat jar that I have on my <laughs> counter. I have one too. Every time I, my grandchildren come over, it's the first thing out of their mouth. Nana, where's the treat jar? And I finally told them, I, you cannot have a treat out of that treat jar until you give me a hug and tell me that you love me. And so, you know, just kind of being real with them and joking. But, you know, the way I want to be remembered by my grandchildren is to be loving and present, um, to be remembered as a woman who loved the Lord and his word more than anything, even my own family. I want to be remembered as a Nana who loves my grandchildren and would want them to have a deep personal walk with God. And of course, I, I do want my grandchildren to remember me as fun and smiling and always present so funny that you should say all that September because it reminds me that even in the brokenness, even in those 
relationships that don't play out like you would like them to, there's almost always some small gift or silver lining if you just look for them. So you're saying you have a treat jar for your grandkids and, and I can look back and see my grandmother who in, in a lot of ways made it very clear. She didn't really want to have much to do with me or my sisters. Um, she had a cookie jar and it was filled with, you know, store-bought cookies but she always welcomed me to come and take a cookie. And I can think of a million reasons why she did that. And maybe they're not always um, the, the most gracious reasons, but that's what I remember as a child. She, she let me take the cookies from her cookie jar. And so that's what I'm going to choose to focus on today is to remember the small gifts and be thankful for what she was able and willing to offer as a grandma. So thank you for that. Well, every grandparent has influence over their grandkids, whether good or bad. And let's be honest, some of us didn't grow up with examples of godliness in the far-reaching branches of our family tree. But that just means that the inheritance gets to start with us. We can be the start of a generational line of faith. We can be the Loises. As Deuteronomy 4.9 says, let us make the Lord and his faithfulness known to our children and eventually to our children's children. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us today. If you haven't already, we invite you to join as a subscriber and get a free printable download of our 30 Days to Pray for My Child prayer cards. They're just a great resource to help you leave a lasting legacy.